Hey everyone, it's Maribel Blue, and if I sound different, it is because, of course, with the wonderful technology of Blog Talk Radio, um, I was unable to log in using my microphone. I have no idea what's going on, but the show must go on. So let's get started with some music, and um, I have an announcement to make that I said um, on Instagram just a little while ago, something that I would like to address, not so much to, well, maybe to clarify, but something that I really wanted to address because sometimes on Twitter, things can get messy. I'd like to keep in clear about what my focus is. So let's get started with some music, and then we're going to talk about stuff, and we're going to talk to Mistress Sick, who is my guest tonight, and she's not necessarily going to be talking about domination tonight. We're going to be going through a whole new realm. So let's get show, let's get the show started. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, one and all. I have to say this has been quite the week. Um, Sorry about that. It's going to go down. (laughs) I hit up by accident. So I wanted to address a situation that occurred yesterday of um, an interview that... uh, Someone had, I guess, had put up, and um, and they shared a little bit of the content of this interview, and with that ensued a lot of negative comments about this particular person because of their alleged reputation. I have no proof. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I have factual information when I don't. I don't have experience with this person, um, nor do I know him on any kind of level. So uh, I cannot turn around and say, um, I I can't turn around and, and discuss his character, in other words. With all that being said, I realize that a lot of the um, comments that was being shared was something of a concern, and I commented that I would not lower myself to interview someone 
who can be a concern within our community and that may not put a positive spin on what it is that we are trying to accomplish here. And I'm sure that you can agree with me, Mistress Vic, in that aspect because, you know, we live a certain lifestyle and when certain things happen, like crime, for example, right away, if the crime had to do with some kind of fetish or BDSM, if you will, then all of a sudden people within the BDSM industry, and it's kind of like just when we were on a good level, here we are again having to address these issues of we are really good and smart people. It's just that we like things a certain way or differently or what have you. So with all that being said, um, I made this comment and I stand by my comment because I think it's so important that when I interview somebody for my magazine or if I'm talking to somebody on Unfiltered like I'm doing tonight, the authenticity of that person is important. Maybe once upon a time when I was first doing interviews early on and I didn't know any better and it was just kind of like, hey, you're different. Do you want to be interviewed? Because that was the way it was back in 2003, 2004. As I grew up, so to speak, and became more and more active in my community and really understood where people were coming from, who was really educated, who was really serious, was when I started to take a step back and say, hey, you know, this is really important to have a positive reflection on Uh who we are and what we are talking about and what we aspire to do or be, etc. And this person decided to drag me in the slew of everything that was going on. And apparently they were hurt by my comments and what have you. Okay. The fact of the matter is, is that you could be hurt. You could be angry. She blocked me. Go ahead. Like, bye. You know what I mean? It's like, bye girl. (laughs) Um, At the end of the day, it is, important, again, for me to have this positive reflection within my community. This is my community. This is Mr. Thick's community. You know, other people that we know it is their community. They care about what's going on. And when something happens, it's going to bring causes of concern of who we look like as a community. We all come Uh from different walks of life. But at the end of the day, Um, it's just important to reflect who we are as humans and how we interact with each other. And again, I will not lower myself for the sake of interview or because this person was controversial, whatever the case may be, because I'm not going to throw away 18 years of everything that I worked for, for one person. It's just not going to happen. And I wanted Mm. to say that out loud here on the top of the show. I will not allow myself to be dragged all over Twitter. I will not argue with people over something stupid. I said what I said, and that's it. (laughs) So (laughs) moving on. (laughs) So Mistress Thick, 
Thank you. I'm sure that you can think of many scenarios from the little bit that I said here um, on the top of the show. And, um, you know, we did an interview not too long ago for Kinky Magazine, and now here we are unfiltered to talk about different topics, especially in light of everything that has been going on in in this day and age. You know, mm-hmm. we, we think back to ourselves, we think back and we say, wow, like, is this really happening now in 2020? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. you think that certain events are over and then something happens to re-spark that flame, if you will. Um, Can you just share with our listeners a little bit of your background and what it is that you do and the experiences that you've had? Absolutely. Um, You know, since we're unfiltered, and um, I'm going to be completely unfiltered and live in the essence of the show. So there are going to be parts Mm -hmm. of me that I'm going to reveal tonight and things that I'm going to say people are probably not expecting or will be used to. So Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, I am Mistress Thick. I am 41 years old. Prior to even being a dominatrix, I was a corporate instructor where I worked for companies such as Verizon, Cablevision, mm-hmm. Microsoft, mm-hmm. training uh, corporate heads on coaching, on how to manage their teams, on um, you know running the gamut from training cable techs on climbing the pole and customer service reps on answering calls. So before I even became a dominatrix, I had a career, thriving one. I shot the corporate ladder at a very young age, and after a series of life events, I chose to come into sex work of my own volition. And mm-hmm. now I'm here, and I've been here practicing as a lifestyle and a professional dominatrix. I decided to abandon societal norms and come over here on the fringe of society, which is known as kink or BDSM, to mm-hmm. allow my expression over here on this side. So um, in the past, I would say, five years, maybe six, I have been instructing and training in this space. Mm-hmm. So I've used mm-hmm. my expertise from the corporate and vanilla world, and I've now brought it into kink and fetish and BDSM. And I've had the opportunity to curate classes for extraordinary organizations such as Weekend Reunion, um, uh, FetishCon. Um, I've had the opportunity to present classes at AVN and Exotica. Um, That's initially where my platform in porn and educating started. So, um, yeah. I've had an opportunity to uh, speak and educate people in kink, in porn, as well as be a co-dom, as well as be a lifestyle dom, as well as the vanilla history that I just described to you before that. So that's who I am. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people, mm-hmm. when they speak, when they, when, they, when they see me, what the optics of me is that this is what I did because there was nothing else available for me to do. 
or this is these were the opportunities left for me. No, this was mm-hmm. a conscious choice for me to leave corporate America and come to this side. So that is something that a lot of people may not know, probably never get because of the optics now, of who I am. Okay, let's talk about your experiences with corporate America because, you know, of course there's a reason why I want to hone into this because as you have, I too have worked for corporate America and I have had those uncomfortable experiences, if you will, that made me question, is it me as a person? Is it because I'm too outspoken or maybe just too out there? Could it be my skin color? Of course, all of these things, you know, come into question because of who I am as a human being. So have you had any of those negative experiences? Because you and I were both on social media. We're seeing a lot of comments and people coming out of the woodwork and sharing their experiences on things that have happened to them. Um, Not too long ago, I was talking with somebody about an experience I had with a a makeup company, and the person that uh, mistreated me said something that really, really hurt me at the time. It did. Um, he, He made a comment because I was joking around with the human resources manager that worked there, and he came out. After I, I guess after he had his meeting with him, he called me into his office and he had asked me, did I know the human resources person? And I said, I don't know him, but I had training with him. And his response was, well, I don't know where you come from, but here we don't speak to our managers like that. And I was taken aback. I'm like, where I come from? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a and, serious microaggression. Yes, yes. And I thought to myself, what does he mean by that? And I felt like after this experience and working there for the month that I was there, because they let me go after 30 days, um, I realized the reason why I was treated differently and the agency who had gotten me the job basically confirmed that they were trying to, to meet a quota. And from the beginning, they were already doing things that made me feel uncomfortable that I didn't expect. You know, I was in my twenties at the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I didn't know any better. You know, I was just coming out from being clean and sober. I'm coming back into the workforce. So there was a lot of things that happened at that time, I guess, in my life that I really wasn't aware of until I came back into the workforce and things were different. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was an experience. However, I did not let it define me. Do you think that the people that are sharing their experiences of racial discrimination and tension in the workplace 
Is it letting them define them? Do you have experiences where you feel it defines you or it made you come out stronger? I think the answer to your question is yes because of because of the current racial climate and because mm-hmm. of uh the the racial history that we have and being a brown and black woman yourself being brown mm-hmm. myself being black we mm-hmm. of course encounter um we encounter injustices for both being brown and black and for both being women mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes, the answer to your question is we experience these things. Yes, they do define us. Um, when I say these things define us, I don't mean that the actual act of the person defines you. What I mean is your response and your reaction to what to the to the egregious action that the person is you know um, is uh, acting upon you. So Mm -hmm. um, if you respond in a way where you crumble and you fall under the pressure of the oppression that that, Mm -hmm. that, that, that is being placed on you, then that's defining Mm -hmm. you, defining Mm -hmm. you, you, you weren't able, but if you were able to persevere and stand strong and fight Mm -hmm. and speak against, that also defines you. So it's the reaction that the individual has to said action, in my opinion, is what defines the individual. So, yes, to answer your question, these things do define us, and it's how we react and respond to them. So mm-hmm. um, with that being said, you know, I, in this space, react and respond to things instead of allowing myself to be crushed by them. When you talk I, about, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish no, no, your no, thought, and then I'll and I'll ask. I I was going to ask you when you when you talk about oppression, um, and I've been hearing that word a lot. You have a lot of people, and I'm talking about black and brown people. What are you talking about oppression? It's your choice. I mean, you you have this internal bickering going on. How do you? respond to that do you believe that there is real oppression and how do we overcome that because you know while I don't agree with it the rioting and the looting I don't agree with it are we being heard are we being looked at oh well look there they go you know just typical Criminals. I mean, we have people that think in that way. Let's not well, lie to ourselves. Do you know I what I'm saying? Let's really not lie quickly. to ourselves and say there are people that don't think that way. There are people who do think that way. Um, right. How but How think, do we change that? I think also people have to ask themselves the questions of what What are you looking at? When mm-hmm. you're seeing these protests and when you're seeing these riots, what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. I what I am looking at, and what I see is I see that there are people who are out there protesting. I see that there are mm-hmm. people who are out there vocalizing what they believe in. I see that there are people demanding change from their government officials mm-hmm. and law enforcement. I see that, but I also see mm-hmm. I also see people who are potentially, in my opinion, planted within this protest to destroy this protest. 
So you have some people, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not saying everyone. I'm not mm-hmm. saying everyone. But I see mm-hmm. what I'm seeing, at least what I'm taking apart with my own intelligence is what I'm seeing, is I'm seeing people who are actually protesting and attempting to make a change. I see people who are attempting to manipulate this protest, this time of protest, and mm-hmm. use it for uh, their own selfish purposes and agenda to steal, loot, rob, um, you know, uh, paint a different narrative to the to the to the movement, which is a positive movement, and step in also step forward into the future. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different components at play right now. I'm not as naive to say, okay, all of these Black Lives Movement people are out here rioting and looting. That's not what I'm seeing, because you know there's a vast array. Right now, we don't have to rely on mainstream news or media anymore. There are people who are Mm -hmm. out there on the front lines with their phones, and it's coming right straight to you, from them Mm -hmm. to you, to the world, to the Internet. So we're not not in the 20th century. You don't have to rely on CNN or C-SPAN to give you breaking. You can actually go on social media, and we're seeing it happen every day. Um, So Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself and pick apart with your own brain, interpret what it is that you're looking at, and you can't just cast a wide blanket net over it that this is, you know, this is the this is the narrative of the movement, and it's not. I see mm-hmm. some people with using, I see some people using this movement to incite more violence. I see some people using this movement to steal and rob. So, but mm-hmm. that's not that that may not consist of the people actually concerned in trying to propel this movement. So that's what people, I really feel people need to um, ask themselves and, and look at and question when they're looking at this media. When you think about yourself as a, just as a woman and then as a black woman and then as a, woman within the adult entertainment industry. What are your thought processes um, compared to other women in this industry? Do you, was there ever a time that you thought to yourself, um, maybe I'm just not good enough or I wish I was like that person or like what? What are your different thoughts? Because I, I, I know that everybody thinks differently. I think differently about myself. Of course, I think to myself, if I was thinner, I'd be able to do this, or if I was like this, I'd be able to do that. You know, we just seem to use people's outsides to compare our insides, and how do we get away from that? Well, because uh, being, you know, all of those things that you mentioned in the start of the question being a black woman, being in the adult industry, having been in porn and still there on the fetish side. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things that I see that um, that are bothersome and that require mm-hmm. change. So mm-hmm. um, I know that we spoke and I told you and I showed you, shared with you my blog mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. wrote last year because I wanted to talk about this and present this topic, yes. the subject matter, last year. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I didn't present it 
and I'm not regretful because I feel everything happens for a reason. I write a lot of pieces, and I tend to sit on them. And um, sometimes when I feel that it's not in the moment anymore, I may not release or publish it. And, um, you know, when we had this change or not even change, when we had these series of events in society that have now opened the eyes of other people in society, it brought Mm -hmm. the topic back up again. And um, since then, me and you have talked on a personal note about my blog. I shared it with you. You read it. You read some of it. Mm -hmm. And um, we were going to discuss it tonight. But since then, I have been in motion and I've been in action. And I feel, don't don't get me wrong, the blog is the blog is still the blog, and I'm still releasing it. It's just that mm-hmm. I'm a smart woman, and I had to put my 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 um I'm gonna use a uh, term right now. I had to put my Karen ways into motion, and <laughs> <laughs> so um, put my Karen ways into motion, and I have you know several people who I know who are active in activism and have mm-hmm. been currently mm-hmm. in the past, you know, they plan, you know, they, they're trying to change things, you know, that may not be movements now, but they're working on it. So I reached out to those people and I have had a kind of change in course of action for myself. And so you asked me about the things that I feel and what I see in this industry. I'm going to, I am petitioning the foreign industry to join in on the to really join in on the Black Lives Matter because right now what you're doing mm-hmm. and I'm speaking to Big Porn, we're gonna call you Big Porn right now. I'm speaking to you guys. What you're doing now is you're claiming verbally claiming solidarity with tweets mm-hmm. and public messages and um, press releases, but you're not putting any action behind these words. So um, I am going to help you out. And like I said, I have um, a lot of people who I know who are currently and have been in, um, presently and um, have been in active in activism, and uh, mm-hmm. they help me with this and help me kind of conceptualize what it is that I want to achieve. Because I've realized, mm-hmm. you know, just since our conversation in the past week or so, or a week and a half, or I can't recall how long ago we started talking about this, um, more than verbalizing what's wrong has to be done. More than demanding change from law law enforcement and public officials has to be done. We have to start changing the business structures, the business Mm -hmm. structures that are still profiting off of the, and I'm going to call it oppression because the oppression, and some of you might disagree with that word, but it's the highly Mm -hmm. racialized depiction of black and brown people in porn. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. porn must change that, and you know it's it's really sad because the people who are in the porn industry work their butts off, like literally sometimes work mm-hmm. their butts off. They work very yeah. hard. They're professional. Mm-hmm. They provide content that the world wants, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that that content isn't reflective of a level of respect of people based on their race. Mm-hmm. So. The porn industry 
it's time to change. It's time to it's time for everyone to mobilize and change. It's time for mm-hmm. us to demand the change from these business these business structures. Now I realize these are multi billion dollar businesses, and I am going to get pushed back, and that's why I even took another step to even discuss with those who are in the corporate world to even present you with a new business model, because it's not enough to just to just tell you that you're doing wrong and require you to change. We need to change the systemic racialization and depiction of black people. Because it's not just it's not just um, in the in the content in the media, it's systemic. So mm-hmm. what that means, what I'm saying is, is this means that there's limited opportunity for people that look like me and you in this industry. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. limited resources for people who look like me and you in this industry. So I'm not mm-hmm. just asking for porn to change the content. I'm asking for systemic changes and changes to your business model. And and I'm presenting you, and I'm here to talk about the new business mm-hmm. model and the things that you can accomplish with with this and how you can really align with the Black Lives Movement. Because right now what you're doing is just safe talk. That's all you're doing right now. And I'm talking to Pornhub, yeah. and I'm talking to AVN, and I'm talking to mm-hmm. I Want Clips, and I'm mentioning mm-hmm. these outfits specifically because in the past week, these are the outfits that have publicly made statements about their solidarity to the movement. So if you're going mm-hmm. to publicly make statements about solidarity to this Black Lives Movement, then I need to see action. I don't just need to see your words. I want to call it action. And I'm asking for those in this industry. I'm I'm asking for you to call for action, because mm-hmm. as I said, this content should be reflective of we're asking for societal changes, but we're not changing the content that's out there. And it needs to be have it needs to contain a a, a, a level of respect for people who are brown and black in this industry. Um, existing categories such as BBC, QOS, mm-hmm. Ebony, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. most of the content that you find under these categories are demeaning. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking, if we're if we're asking for change from law from law enforcement and government officials, why aren't we asking for change from business structures and future porn? I'm talking to you. This is what yes. you have to do, future porn. I'm, I want to start a new porn world order. In future porn, mm-hmm. you need to remove the labels of the old stuff. Mm-hmm. If Twitter did it, mm-hmm. if IG did it, why can't you do it? Right. Let's, let's why? Well, why do you think that is? I mean, it's it's. Oh, I'll tell you know you why when when you think about when you think about the content that was found under those categories was demeaning mm-hmm. was was hypersexualizing black black and brown people as people who mm-hmm. are reflective of the ebony complexion. That's why Do you think did that. that that's why that the that. that the women the the black and brown women that have been around for quite some time and have a different set of, of clout if you will, from maybe other women who are coming in. Do you think 
that at one time in their lives they were subjected to having to do certain things and now they're at a different level where they don't have to deal with that type of of oppression? Um, or do you think that they're still experiencing it but not saying anything? I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination mm-hmm. of both. And, you know, that's, you know, another piece of the conversation that, you know, I want to have to my sisters out there, my melanated sisters. You know, this is the opportunity for you to vocalize. This is for you to speak mm-hmm. up against all of the egregious actions that you've witnessed, opportunity to vocalize that. This is also mm-hmm. the opportunity to denounce and, and, and dispel your association to these companies. And let the future mm-hmm. girls coming into this industry know, you know what, I had to do that, but I made opportunities for you where you don't have to do that. Because that's what, nice. that's what happens in industry with women of color. Look at Darcy Dandridge. We, look where we are mm-hmm. now with Haley Berry. It, you know, and mm-hmm. this, this, is, you know, this is where the women in the industry now need to step up and step out and say, you know what, I did do that because it was a lack of opportunities. I wasn't getting paid. There was no way for me to get notoriety. There was no way for me to get um, uh, uh, eyes on me. There was no way for me to add my catalog. There was no other opportunity where a big outfit wanted to work for me because I was a beautiful black woman instead of wanting to abuse me and my black skin. And mm-hmm. th- this is the time for you to say that so that the women coming behind us, behind us know, okay, she didn't do that, and she, she didn't like, she did it because she had to, but now I realize there's better in other ways. I don't have to do that. And I really wish and I hope that the sentiment is conveyed to my sisters in this industry. It is not a message to destroy you. It is not a message to make you feel guilty about your participation mm-hmm. or association mm-hmm. with the companies because, mm-hmm. as I said, you are a victim of oppression in this industry, a systemic racism that happens to black and brown women because of a lack of opportunities. And, and, and because you took an opportunity, acknowledge that for what it is mm-hmm. and let the world know what it was. You didn't enjoy that. You didn't do that because you wanted to do it. You did it because you felt you had to. And that's a different, mm-hmm. that's a different thing in its entirety. When, when we talk about race play, that has also been something that has come up on social media. When you and I did um, our interview, the mm-hmm. the two-part interview <laughs> that we mm-hmm. had, I think it was about a year ago, um, I remember we were talking about um, the the gentleman who had posted the picture of the bruises and there was a whole back and forth about how that's not BDSM and, you know, his kidneys and things of that nature. And I remember your response was so eloquent because you had said, you don't know the conversation that he had with the particular dominatrix, what the session will entail. Um, he looked happy in in the picture. He looked pleased with his bruises. Um, and that we have to take consideration that whatever they had in conversation in private, that theirs and theirs alone, and if she did what he asked for, then what's the problem? 
um, I, I'm improvising, but I remember you talking about the private conversation. Now let's mm-hmm. fast forward into discussing about race play, because I remember one of the things that you had said was, and I know that every dominatrix is different, but one mm-hmm. of the things that you said was that if, if somebody came to you and said, I don't want this, you your response was, I don't care what you want. It's about what I want, which most dominatrixes do say, you know, this is not about you. This is about me. But at the same time, you understand like most dominatrices do, that it's also about playing safe, having safe words. And if the person uses it, you know when to stop. You're not just going to keep going just for the sake of your own pleasure because you understand the ramifications if the person gets hurt. You certainly don't want the cops knocking on your door, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and having to explain, well, what the fuck happened here? However, mm-hmm. um, we do have a real thing called race play. Now that has also been the subject on social media. Well, that's not BDSM. That's not consent. That's not this. That's not that. You, as a, as a black, beautiful woman in this industry, let's not forget beautiful because I treasure you. Lest oh, everybody you, not know that. No, that I treasure this woman and I respect everything that she does and what she discusses. If you wanted to have race play with somebody, and I've seen who your clients are, is that okay? Is that your personal business? How you use words in context during your scene play, if you've had these discussions, is it a Mm -hmm. real problem if you were the one that wanted to use certain names let's discuss it vice versa (laughs) you know i mean other people and 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 whatever words that they decide let's be unfucking filtered let's do it (laughs) (laughs) yes please (laughs) so the first thing i'm going to say about that is we're going to pick apart what I do versus because, you know, people talk to me about, and I actually just had this conversation with a dom, a white dom in the industry, mm-hmm. um, you know, who reached out to me and wanted, you know, because she saw I was so vocal and what I was talking about. And I appreciate that any any non-POC women and or men who want to reach out to me and discuss, I welcome the conversation. Um, let's take apart the optics of this. Me being a black woman and engaging, I'm going to use that term, race play, because that's what the term is. That's what we call it. And Mm -hmm. in, in I am, and not if, when I do practice within that, I am enforcing, not even enforcing, I am embodying black female supremacy or black supremacy, black female supremacy, mm-hmm. black supremacy. But I am a female, mm-hmm. so it's polarized with a feminine energy. So I am, I am embodying black supremacy. Now, that's me who is a black woman. Now, a white dom or a non-black dom, we'll, we'll, and let's, let's limit this because I don't want to say Asian. I don't want to say mm-hmm. 
Indian. I want to let's say white. We're gonna we're gonna put it in a binary. Um, pers- we're gonna put it in a binary. A mm-hmm. white dom when she is engaging in race play with a black submissive or an Indian or uh, Asian submissive, she is mm-hmm. embodying white supremacy, right? So we got mm-hmm. those two concepts mm-hmm. there so far. Mm-hmm. White Dom would mm-hmm. be embodying white supremacy. Black Dom would be embodying black, black supremacy. Now that we have that down, let's pick apart black supremacy versus white supremacy. Mm-hmm. What is black supremacy? What is the history of black supremacy? If you look at black supremacy, black supremacy has has always been a upliftment and a rejoicing in being black and blackness in mm-hmm. African culture. If mm-hmm. you look at black supremacy, it has always been about the embodiment that we are beautiful. Why? Because we are constantly told by this world we are not. And that has right. been the continuous message of black supremacy. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I agree. I, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as celebrating the, the black culture because I have seen right. tremendous changes in you know, how we view each other, how, how even down to the hair. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, why does your hair look like that? What happened to your hair? And I would be, I would get so upset. I'd be like, what's wrong mm-hmm. with my hair? They would make me feel terrible about my hair. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with this? And have I seen a personal change within the culture about hair, about how we look and, and and view ourselves. Yes, I have. Remember, so back I in the day, to see the celebration. And back in the day, remember to see a positive image of ourselves in our hair. We had to wait for soul train before and after and during soul train. Those are the only times <laughs> where you saw and you laughing because you know I'm telling the fucking truth. Those are the only times you saw positive <laughs> images hey, of I our hair on TV. <laughs> I loved watching that. That was like the Saturday show. I mean, I was a little girl, but and that, and let me you tell you something. All it black was, hair it was care the best. products. All black yes. hair care products were all aired during that hour. That and Absolutely. they they celebrated black hair. That's the only time mm-hmm. I saw my hair in a positive light as a child mm-hmm. and an adolescent growing up mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. you know TV. So let's. Let's, yes. You know, return back to the you know the conversation. So the mm-hmm. message of black supremacy has always been a celebration of our blackness, of our Afrocentricity. And for mm-hmm. those of you who do not know what Afrocentricity is, because I'm going to speak about this further, it is a way to speak about the African culture with regal, with in a regal and distinguished way. That is the definition of Afrocentric. So. Mm-hmm. That has been the message of black supremacy, has been Afrocentric. It has never been one to uplift us over another. It has always been to uplift us. So now mm-hmm. we've, we've covered black supremacy. Let's talk about white supremacy. What has mm-hmm. been the history of white supremacy? Terrorists, murder, mm-hmm. rape, mm-hmm. pillaging, mm-hmm. Um, injustice. Past, mm-hmm. present, and 
currently. So, you know, mm-hmm. these past and present. So, the, and the message of white supremacy has always been we are better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. There's never been mm-hmm. another message about white supremacy aside from we are better than everyone else. Everyone else is beneath us. That is always right. in the message of white supremacy. So mm-hmm. now let's bring it back into the space. When I, as a black female, am engaging in this play with a submissive, my message is about uplifting me, how I am powerful over you, how I mm-hmm. am so beautiful in, in, in this universe. I am a goddess walking on this planet. That's the message and embodiment of my supremacy. Whereas, mm-hmm. let's go to the white mistress. The white mistress is, you are in this. You are whom that. You are, and because the message of white always been to oppress and push down anyone who is not white. So the, mm-hmm. the message of, that, and that's really the, the bottom line, white supremacy has always been anti-blackness or, mm-hmm. or um, even the pro-white and the white pride has had a message of and connotation of anti-blackness or anti-anything else, whereas black supremacy has always just celebrated. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. And I feel the difference is because of the power dynamic. But people, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk about power dynamics, people don't want to talk about it. They get confused, they get upset, or they 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 play country dumb. They want to they want to intentionally ignore what it is that I'm saying, or tend to gaslight me, and make me feel like it's just me that is being overly sensitive about my race when it's really a problem out here. So mm-hmm. that when we talk about this race play. This is the comparison. Someone tried, you know, me speaking out against this, you know, I had a barrage of people come at me like, oh, but you do this. You do the same thing as ghetto gaggers. You got white men licking your boots. I do have white men licking my boots. And nowhere in that message am I disparaging all of the white race or all mm-hmm. the I mean all of the Caucasian race or all of the white ethnicity. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. I'm doing is what every other mistress is doing because when she subjugates the male or every other non-POC mistress is doing because when she subjugates a male, the optics are different because she's not a black woman and, and she's not reversing the current existing power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Did that make any sense? Yes. <laughs> did I break it down for you? Yes, I you did. It down for everybody out there. This is why what I do and what you do is different. Somewhat, so people yes. coming for me, they were coming for me on social media, telling me to ghetto gaggers or you comparing me to these companies that embellish and hyper um, racialization, uh, a hyper sexualization of black people. That's like mm-hmm. comparing Wakanda to Nazi Germany. Wakanda is a nice concept, a nice thought. Mm-hmm. We'd love it for it to happen, but it's not real. Nazi Germany was real, and real mm-hmm. travesties happened there. 
so when you and the thing about, is, is that Germany recognizes that they do recognize the travesty that happened at that point in their country. So when I when I think about people who call themselves, you know, white supremacists, and they're talking about everybody else go back, and it's like, well, what are you talking about? You <laughs> go back where, like. You, if, if we told you to go back to Germany, Germany doesn't even want you because they respect the history of what happened um, well, during that they time. They have denounced and they, their past. That's what they're doing. They're denouncing their past. And that's what you have to do when you associate yourself mm-hmm. with that type of racism. Yes. And it's no different than what I'm asking for talent who is in this industry now. It's no different than what I'm asking for people who are filming this porn now, the cameramen, mm-hmm. the producers, all of you. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at mm-hmm. you like, how are you standing on the front line chanting BLM, Black Lives Matter? How are you protesting? But then you go back to set and you produce it. And then you, and then you put this right. out. How do you how are you standing on the front line with me, saying injustice, injustice? But you go back and you mm-hmm. film this content because to mm-hmm. me, it's, your actions have already showed me who your who your solidarity lies with, and it's not me. You're not my ally. You right. can't be my ally. You mm-hmm. gotta, you can't be an ally and still engage in it and not denounce it. And so I'm glad that you brought that up about Germany denouncing their their uh, actions because that's what you have to do when you're on the wrong side of history is you got to denounce it. Absolutely, yes. That's what these companies Absolutely. have to do. Absolutely. That's what porn has to do. And it's so mm-hmm. funny that, you know, porn, you created the Internet. If there was no mm-hmm. porn, there would be no Internet. All the technological mm-hmm. advancements that happened around computers was because of porn. Mm-hmm. So how is it that porn, you're still archaic and behind where the rest of the world is ahead of you, and including the Internet, which you burst? I mean, you know, think about it, too. When you said, when you just said porn created the Internet, remember when the party lines happened, like back in the late 80s? What was I that do. all about? <laughs> that was porn uh, on the phone. <laughs> yes. And then it went to video, and then it went to the DV, mm-hmm. and then it went to VHS, and then it went to DVD, mm-hmm. and now it's on the mm-hmm. computer. And the reason mm-hmm. why we have all this technology around the computer is because porn was the moving force and driving force behind it. So if porn is so powerful, if porn is making so many billions and billions of dollars, if the current motherfucking administration is tied up in a scandal with porn, why mm-hmm. the fuck is porn the last industry to get out ahead of this? Why is porn so resistant? You know why? Because you are making money off of oppression, off of systemic mm-hmm. racism. And you mm-hmm. have to change, porn. You have to change. Now, let me ask you about the whole, you know, worldwide. Well, not world, our world, the United States of America world with everything that has transpired recently, and I'm not just talking about just 
George Floyd. There are many people right. Um, right. that have been killed, you know, unnecessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, we knocked on the wrong door. You know, we all remember that story. You know, guy is at home having his ice cream. Cop comes in, get out of my house. How do you not recognize that you're not in your own house? You know what I mean? Look around. The decorations have to be different from where you live. Um, These people who have been killed unnecessarily at the hands of another person, why is it? Now, you know, why is it now we're screaming um, Black Lives Matter? Why isn't it always that it always should matter, that we should always take human life under consideration and, uh, you know, not think anything else other than, like, why is it that? a A lot of people that look like us cannot see are their humanity in us. They don't see their own humanity in us. That's what it is. It's very sad. It makes me it makes me very sad because, you know, personally for me, when I was growing up, all of my friends were black. <laughs> you know? And we never felt out of place um when we were growing up. We always had fun, and maybe it was just the naiveness at the time of of the 80s. Who knows? But it all seemed as though everybody that lived in our neighborhood was a melting pot. It didn't matter what background, what color. We were all friends. And it just makes me wonder, have I been naive all of this time? You know, has there been a separation um, until all of these horrible events transpire that just brings up all of these things. Where is the level of consistency? We shouldn't have to be uh, a race where we're, we're having protests to say, hey, what the fuck is going on here? Like, you know, do you not care? Um mm-hmm. It's just a lot of different different things. And I do want to talk about the blog that you have. I have to take a, a break, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Mr. Sick about the blogs that she has written, um, what had inspired you to write these things, and um, what you hope that you can get out of it. And we're going to do that and a lot more here on Unfiltered. So we will be right back. I'm going to put us on mute so that uh, I could play the commercials. So we will be right back with more Unfiltered. everyone, it's Maribel Blue with Maribel Blue Unfiltered. Are you a professional or even amateur paranormal investigator where you feature yourself on YouTube or you've been on any television programming and would love to share your 
Hey everyone, it's Maribel Blue with Maribel Blue Unfiltered. Are you a professional or even amateur paranormal investigator where you feature yourself on YouTube or you've been on any television programming and would love to share your experiences with us? Please contact me directly at MaribelBlueUnfiltered at gmail.com and let's schedule your next interview. Hey everyone, it's Maribel Blue. Are you looking for more KEM Top Talk shows? You can find the rest of my shows, interviews, discussions, and erotic experiences on SkyhawkAfterDark.com. Skyhawk After Dark has an array of shows catered to your taste. So log on to www.skyhawkafterdark.com for more shows. Have you heard of the Vice? It's the newest chastity device from Locked In Lust. It's inescapable, comfortable, competitively priced, and comes highly recommended from both doms and subs alike. It really is the best. Find out why Locked In Lust is the fastest growing chastity company in the world. Use coupon code Alyssa B. That's A L I S S A B at lockedinlust.com for 15% off your entire order and 50% more point power towards future purchases. Hello, Dallas-bound subs and fetishists. This is Mistress Daria, kink enthusiast extraordinaire, inviting you to come stay in my dungeon, play in my dungeon, or visit me on one of the many extensive tours I do throughout the year. Learn more about me at www.mistressdaria.com. Be sure to read the FAQ and fill out the application page before contacting. You can also check me out on Twitter and Instagram as Mistress Daria. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Spanks. Hey, this is Bus Pimp, and you're listening to Maribel Blue Unfiltered on KEM Top Talk Radio. Hey, everyone. We are back. Tonight's guest is Mistress Thick, and we have been talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, the porn industry, making changes, recognizing that black is beautiful and always has been, and celebrating all of our cultures. And I'm so happy to have Mistress Thick on tonight to discuss these things. As you know, I highly respect her. I can interview her all day. <laughs> I'll never get tired of her. <laughs> because, you know, there are some people within this industry that you continue to learn something new, and it's the reason why I enjoy talking to you and several other women that I keep very close to me because every day for me is a learning experience, and I appreciate you being on this on this episode um, to talk about everything that has been happening. Um, one of the the questions that I had asked you right before the break was about your blogs and things that you have been writing about. What mm-hmm. prompted you to begin this writing? Um, was it a, a, a way to keep like a, a diary of some sort 
of of things that have that's been happening in your life just to kind of gauge has things changed or things different what what was your purpose and how has it helped you along in your journey um the reason the the inspiration behind the blog was uh two things um, the blog felt on the end, the creation of the blog felt on the anniversary. I had cre- uh, curated a class for Weekend Reunion. And Weekend mm-hmm. Reunion is a black kink organization that holds black kink events for black kinky people or POCs. And mm-hmm. um, I, you know, cre- curated this class specifically for POCs and spoke about how our experience is different, you know, just based off epigenetics alone, you know, it makes our walk in this world completely and our experience. And and because of the black experience, it makes kink and how we receive it and how we interpret it different. So on the anniversary of me curating a class for Weekend Reunion, I'm looking over my course material and I had, um, I believe I had uh, uh, that weekend an encounter with a submissive um, that polarized some, 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 how can I, what's the word I want? Basically, something happened to me with a submissive at mm-hmm. a play party that really polarized the, the racial stigma of, that black women have, and it made me go mm-hmm. back to the content and more, and uh, something else happened online that I had been witness to, um, just uh, some verbiage and dialogue, a lot of divisive language being used mm-hmm. in the sex worker space um, towards, you know, from, from non-POCs towards POCs. So it was mm-hmm. those two things in the, you know, creation of the class that, led me and inspired me, I should say, to write this, sit down and write this blog. And mm-hmm. I wrote it because there are a lot of said and unsaid things in kink, and that is a both a positive and a negative thing, but I believe it can be healthy as long as we have healthy dialogue. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the inspiration around the blog was to mm-hmm. promote a healthy dialogue, open a healthy dialogue. But what I what I the blog is so powerful and the things that I say in the blog I feel were not palatable palatable for white people. Point blank. Mm-hmm. I feel it was mm-hmm. going to disturb white comfort and here's the thing, I this is me prioritizing you know, white fragility. That's really why I held it back. And then I was like, you know, maybe I won't say this now. I'll wait. And then I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Um, no, these things need to be said. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm about to, you know, release it, you know, something else happens and I push it back and I sit on it. And then we fast mm-hmm. forward and now here we are, um, you know, right before AVN. I was then going to release it, but then I had AVN. I had so much stuff and traveling. I was on the West Coast. And I said, I'll do a Black History Month, and then we had COVID. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, just sitting home, you know, and here it is that I wrote this very powerful piece. And mm-hmm. 
I don't feel it's a rant. I, as I said, I just feel it's not palatable for white people. And But you mm-hmm. know what? It doesn't matter now because now is the time where we're not concerned with white fragility or we shouldn't be. And these conversations mm-hmm. are going to be difficult and mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And you mm-hmm. know what? White people, you're going to have to embrace that, that, that uncomfortable feeling. Because that's mm-hmm. the only way we're ever going to get over it and past it. Right. Why do you think there is a level of uncomfortability? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, like I said, the, the the one experience that I had at this makeup company, I mean, clearly there was some issues there, not on my part, but, you know, on their part for however it was that, you know, that they viewed me, um, you know, I don't understand the level of uncomfortability with the exception of that one experience that I had. Um, I don't understand where the issue stems from. Have you been able to basically narrow that down? Is it out of guilt? Is it out of I mean anything. I I can't even think what what else it could be. I I don't well, understand because you know I, what it is for I, me. I, I don't understand that level of hate. I've never I understood that, that level of hate. It's unacceptable to me. So when I think about well, what could the uncomfortability be? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm clueless. Well, here's the, this is what I feel about what you just asked. What you asked me where and why does it come from? Where mm-hmm. it comes from is because we have a history of when we talk about race that we mm-hmm. prioritize mm-hmm. the comfort of white people in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that is really what happens. You internalize disturbing or disrupting with yourself, like, okay, you know what, I'm not going to say that, and then you prioritize. You then, in turn, Mm -hmm. prioritize white fragility over what it is that you want to say. So, you know, a lot now some people might be saying, okay, well, she's talking about, she's throwing these terms around white comfort, white fragility. What does that mean? And um, white fragility is the state in which any racial stress is expressed and it becomes immediately intolerable. And then mm-hmm. it's met with defensive reactions such as outward displays of emotion, such as uh, outward displays. It's met with defensive reactions, outward displays of emotion, such as fear and guilt. It's also met with behaviors mm-hmm. such as argumentation. Mm-hmm stress and mm-hmm. situation, silence. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these things, because we prioritize the comfort of white people around the subject matter of race and in, in, mm-hmm. in any type of racial stress, um, you know, there's a fragility around it. So it, they, they, this is, you know, the things that I've described to you, the actions and the, the, thing, the defensive reactions that I just listed are things that we are seeing now out publicly in society. We're seeing it in the social media. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it mm-hmm. happen in the news. We're, we're seeing it. So it's in, and I believe now 
because we can put a face to it, meaning we see it, we can we can identify it, and then we can articulate mm-hmm. what it is. And I feel like that's also a huge issue. Is and I feel like this is an issue on both, on all sides. I feel, and this mm-hmm. is, this runs the spectrum of all races. I feel that people have an inability to articulate and also an inability to distinguish and identify what is actually racism. Mm-hmm. And they allow their feelings to tell them what is racist and what is not when racism doesn't have to do about feelings. Now, yes, you can feel some type of way from someone's racism, and someone can make you, but it, that's just because they made you feel some type of way or it made you feel like they're like there's something wrong or you treated me unequally because of my skin doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's necessarily racism. And, you know, I'm about to drop some jewels on some people. You know, a lot of people have a trouble or real issue defining what racism is. And mm-hmm. and that's because people know what races do, so they and they know the jargon and the device of language that racists use. So when they hear it, they assume this person is racist. But technically, if you want to discuss racism, you can't have racism without power, period. Mm-hmm. You cannot mm-hmm. have racism without power, and um, you cannot have racist without, uh, racism without power and access to resources that can control someone's participation in society. So let's mm-hmm. bring it all the way down. You got access to resources that can control someone's participation in society. Their lack of their or their their no, no longer being able to participate. That mm-hmm. is the component combined with prejudice and privilege that makes up racism. So people out here who do not have access to power and resources, so mm-hmm. i.e., they cannot mm-hmm. be racist. They can be prejudiced. Right. They can be mm-hmm. privileged. But they're mm-hmm. not racist because they don't have access to the resources and the power to affect someone's participation in society. That is really what, so if we really want to hone in on what racism is, that's what racism is. And then you have this spectrum of around racism dealing with bias, dealing with prejudice, dealing with bigotry. And so people have. And, and then these are all characteristics that they see exuding and being demonstrated by racists, they feel or they interpret that person's actions or words as racist. Now, can they be biased mm-hmm. as hell? Yes. Can they be prejudiced as hell? Yes. Can they be privileged? Yes. But if they don't have access to power and resources that can expect someone's participation in society, they can't be racist. And that and power dynamic, and I know it's hard concept for people to wrap their mm-hmm. mind around, but that's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. what it is. It's about power. Now, I have a question just switching gears. I mean, we're, we're talking along in the same terms, but just switching gears because you and I, we have conversations on uh, private messaging on Twitter, and you had sent me something Um that industry had said effective immediately, they will begin eliminating the terms IR and interracial from its news coverages and from print publications. Now, if, if, 
if they if they want if, if I mean they're gonna they're planning on doing that. But what is the reasoning? I mean, is using the word interracial racial? Yes. And, and I'll ethnic why. And, and ethnic categories is is saying the word ethnic being racial. Yes, because the way porn has been marketed put us for the past forty years, forty six years. That's why okay. those connotations mm-hmm. are there. So just because mm-hmm. I call myself Ebony, and to me, it has a positive connotation. It means beautiful, celebrating my my beautiful melanated skin. There's a magazine named after it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's yeah, like, and, and to me, Ebony, and how I grew up, has always been a positive word. But what the connotation mm-hmm. is now and what is associated to is demeaning. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why, I myself am no longer going to be marketing myself as an ebony goddess or ebony anything because if, you know, if I'm asking for this industry to change and I'm asking for my peers to change, I can change too. And using those categories are just mm-hmm. what it does is it causes a distance and a separation of proximity to blackness that then has a negative mm-hmm. connotation and it's then become um is is and and is then become objectific objective objectification. Mm-hmm. And if we as a society have taken steps to eliminate visual depiction of objectification of children, because this was a whole movement. I actually brought this up to someone in the 80s mm-hmm. and in the 90s. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the internet, there was a lot, a lot of images, of racy, suggestive images of children on the internet. The internet was flooded with yes. That's why mm-hmm. we have the, the child porn laws that we do now have in this country. And there was a mm-hmm. movement, uh, an entire movement for the internet to change the objectification, mm-hmm. the visual objectification of children because it was unhealthy for society. It was unhealthy right. for children to be depicted that way. Why can't mm-hmm. you say the same thing about brown and blackie? Right. It's, it still fits in the same category that it's wrong. It's unhealthy <laughs> for society. Right. Exactly. I understand People want to say it's fantasy. I understand people want to say mm-hmm. it's entertainment, but let's look at the entertainment and how it's sold versus how they sell non-black and brown people. They sell this as though it's reality. There's no mm-hmm. BTS of these people smiling afterwards saying, I really enjoyed this and, you know, mm-hmm. woo, I got a chance to explore what it was like to be, you know, uh uh, you know, someone who escaped from the planet. No, you don't see that. You know why mm-hmm, you don't see that? Mm-hmm. Because they don't capture that because they don't humanize the brown and black people at the end. And that's that even in mm-hmm. even in hardcore heavy kink fetish porn where they are very mm-hmm. abusive and physically um, violent with the slaves or the bottom, at the end there is always footage capturing that person smiling like, okay, you know, I enjoyed this, or this was a little bit too much, or maybe I might not do this next time because they want to, they want to, they want to send a message to the audience that this was a fantasy, that this was just mm-hmm. two people acting out something that's not real. 
So then if you're mm-hmm. doing that for kink and you're doing that for gay porn, why aren't you doing that for the porn that, sells the brown, that you sell for brown and black people? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. Mm-hmm. Because you're making billions of dollars off of marketing this and, and, and also uh, you're, you're opportunist because you're playing off of negrophilic and negrophobic tendencies that are plaguing society. And then you're fanning and flaming it with this porn without sending a message that this is fantasy. And see, that really, I feel like I can negotiate with porn. And mm-hmm. my petition mm-hmm. actually has all of this in here. You know, you don't, you, I know me saying stop doing this is going to cost you billions. I know us demanding this is going to damage potentially, or in your mind, potentially damage your business structure when it's really not. But, um, mm-hmm. But if you have to become responsible now and you have to put action behind your words, removing the categories are a start, but it is not enough. We have to change the industry because Mm -hmm. porn drives all of these other industries. It even drew. It even fueled the motherfucking presidency. How about that? That's how yeah. powerful this industry is, and mm-hmm. it's a shame that more people within this industry aren't vocalizing about the systemic racism within the industry. But you'll vocalize it about the law enforcement. You'll vocalize it about the government, but you won't vocalize it where you're making money because no one wants to mess up the bag. And I'm about to mess up a lot of people's back mm. because things have to change. You And, 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 and that was the question I was just about to ask you. Like, why aren't people saying anything? And mm-hmm. you just answered it. You know, um, why it's, not? It's like, why the fuck me. not? <laughs> like, real real talk, Mirabelle, like the people who I've been talking to about this and involving in this and discussing this out and helping me brainstorm, they're like, you know what? You got to be careful because you you messing mm-hmm. with billions, billions of dollars with people, with companies, and people are not going to be happy about that. And people might try to attempt mm-hmm. to retaliate against you. And I, I, I know I'm, I'm painting a bullseye on my back. I know I'm putting one mm-hmm. right on my forehead. I know that because I'm about to mess with people's bags. But mm-hmm. your bag can't perceive the damage that your content is doing to society. Mm-hmm. You, your, your bag can't supersede the the messages, the subliminal, suggestive, the blatant. Because really, we're not even going subliminal. We're going blatant where they're playing on social stigmas of black people, social stereotypes, mm-hmm. current social events, using products that black people consume, our culture. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. mocking our culture in porn to sell porn. When you first came, yes. When you came onto the scene at first, did you think in your mind that later on down the line you would begin some form of advocacy work to 
help people recognize like what the fuck is going on here. Um, no. And we have to take a stand. <laughs> it, it was just all about. <laughs> Hell no! I would have. It was all about metrics in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like it's like the Biggie song. It was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, what would Biggie be saying? Today it makes you wonder, Biggie and Tupac. What would they be saying today if they were alive? Um, I definitely know Tupac would be very vocal right now. I know Biggie mm-hmm. would be as well. Um, yeah, it would be. It, we would things would be different. There would be. I would believe we may have even had a little more progress. You know, either or both of them been here. Who who knows? But that's just me speculating. Mm-hmm. But um. They, unfortunately, he's not, and I have a, a small platform. It's not a huge one, but I have one, and I don't mm-hmm. feel some things are right, and I want change around them. So I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to do things within my power to help change it. I'm going to continuously have a dialogue around it, and I'm going to mm-hmm. propose to these businesses that they change. You know, because I can demand, you know, but but I know demanding anything from big porn, I'm going to get pushback. So let's propose, because you, you can sit down and, and think about how you can be in the 21st century. If removing a couple mm-hmm. of categories is not it. Giving donations to the organization is not the only solution. Making public mm-hmm. statements is not the only solution when you're not changing your business practices. I don't see any of these companies that are saying they stand in solidarity saying, you know what? Actually, I do. Pornhub did give a, a weekend of features to brown and black women over Hello? We're live. Don't go away. (laughs) I can't hear you anymore. I apologize, everyone. Sometimes these things happen with with, uh, our calls. Um, Her call dropped, so we're just going to wait for her to come back. I'm going to play some commercials. So we'll be right back with more Mistress Thick. I not only want to control and dominate your body, but delve deep into your mind. Do you know the secret to domination? It's making you want what I want. Abandoning your own wants, needs, and desires to fulfill my wants, needs, and desires. Neil. Worship and serve. Visit me at worshipnatasha.com and begin the road to submission. Hello. Okay, we are back. (laughs) I wanted to play a commercial right quick because I saw the call dropped and I'm like, oh no, we're live. 
So please continue, continue your thoughts, please. <laughs> I have no idea where I left off, and I hadn't probably been talking for a long time. And, you know, so what, what was the last thing you heard? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm trying to remember now because there's so much information. And I just began to write something. It's just I just wrote like a line because it was along the lines of what you were saying. And now it just totally escaped me when um, – uh, uh, we were talking about the advocacy work, and you were right. You yes. were talking about Pornhub and the changes that that they're yes. making now I um, and implementing. So, mm-hmm. Now I remember. So basically, you know, Pornhub over the weekend they did what they did is they highlighted um, brown and black women performers on their platform for the entire mm-hmm. weekend. That is a small step, a very very small step, but it's a step in the right direction. And but here's the thing. Shouldn't they be doing that all the time? Shouldn't that's people what I was be gonna just say. featured just be because? Exactly. It should not take a movement to say that, hey, we're being unseen. Hey, we're not being treated the same for you to mm-hmm. say, okay, give you a little more shine. Let me give a little more eyes to you. Where you have mm-hmm. the ability to do this on a day-to-day basis. You have the ability to eliminate the line completely. You have the ability. Right. They, within porn, they all have the ability to do this. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. they can sit down and recategorize, you know, how and, and, and come to an agreement and sit down and companies can say, you know what, I can remarket and rebrand this, and we can do this. And, but no one wants to sit down and do that because everyone's afraid of losing money. Mm-hmm. And that's now that where, we've, that's where we have a problem. Go ahead. The bad supersedes yes. everything. Now that we, I mean, we've covered so much. Um, we literally have like 33 minutes left on the show. <laughs> and I'm sure that, you know, just to give you a heads up, you know, if there's, if there's other things that you want to talk about, we still do have time. Um mm-hmm. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you, you know, like you said before, it shouldn't have to take a revolution to make people recognize, hey, this has to stop. What do you think is in store for our future? Because, you know, I'm I'm getting a lot of email. You know, I have – I'm on an email list from probably every store you can think of, and – you know, if you if you're on an email list, I'm sure that you have gotten emails about recognizing uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the things that have transpired over the last few months. Um, do you think that this change and people recognizing will be consistent? Yes, I recognize that there's going to be hate. There, there are people who are just going to hate just because because that's what they believe in and what have you. But is can there be a change for our future? And where should that change begin? Yes, I believe because I'm an optimist and I believe in humanity. And I believe that in the best of humanity, I do believe that we can change. And when I say I believe mm-hmm. in the best of humanity, that's on both sides. I believe in the, the allies who will stand 
alongside people who are demanding change to end their oppression in any mm-hmm. form. And I mm-hmm. believe that we're going to get it from the people who are, you know, who are demanding it. So I, I, I believe in humanity. I believe in both sides. I believe in black. I believe in white. I believe that we as a human race can overcome this. I also believe, though, that there are a lot of powers at B that don't want us to overcome this and want mm-hmm. to continue. And so I will continue to remain optimistic because that is the type of energy and person that I am, and that's what drives mm-hmm. me is I'm, I'm always been an optimistic person. And that's why I can still say I believe in the humanity of people that we can overcome this. And what will it take? It will take for everyone, it will take for people to have a reflective view of the other person and the next person's humanity in themselves. You have to see that person as human as just how you perceive and you see yourself and your children and your wife and your brother and your mother. I believe that can happen. It's going to take a lot of work for us to get there, but I believe we possess the capability of seeing the humanity in the next individual. Is it society and the things that have been embedded in society continue to flame the opposite? So it confuses people. It causes. That's one of the reasons why people can't really articulate what racism is, because. There are so many influences in this world that are inciting and flaming and standing and, and causing confusion because that's really the plan. If, think about it. If you can't describe mm-hmm. racism and you can't articulate what it, was, what it is, how will you be able to tell someone it's happening to you? And how will you mm-hmm. be able to express it? And how will you be able to change mm-hmm. it? So mm-hmm. this is all part of the plan that people have to kind of wake up. And I think the more that people, COVID and this quarantine was the best thing that happened to the world. Things stopped. Sports, entertainment, mm-hmm. porn pretty much. Like every, well, except for porn. Porn is the only thing that didn't stop, which is why we have an association. Mm-hmm. But sports, right. entertainment, the government, the world, jobs, our, our, our fucking Social structure as we know it came to a fucking halt, and now mm-hmm. all we have to do, all we all we can do, is look at the world and what's happening. And mm-hmm. that, there's no distractions. There's no right. there's no NBA happening. There's no NFL happening to distract you. There's no and what is that making? That's making the people in sports speak about what's mm-hmm. happening. Because there's mm-hmm. nothing else to discuss because you're looking at the world and this is all, there are no other distractions. So quarantine and COVID is the best thing that happened to the BLM movement because of, no, you can't look away. There's nothing else to mm-hmm. distract you. You have no choice but to pay attention to what's happening here because it's what everybody else is talking about. It's what the world is talking about. And it's, now it's polarized. Now there's a podium. So I believe if things continue mm-hmm. the way they are, then I, and, and people continue to protest and speak out and be vocal and, and demand change and try to cause change, I believe it can happen. 
but it's a lot of work. I, I like your attitude because <laughs> I, I think to myself, you know, I have, I, they, they are no longer my friends, but um, when, when they moved out here to uh, Arizona, um, at the time I was, I was in a relationship or whatever it is you want to call it. And um, he was Canadian. He was white. And it wasn't until, you know, after the relationship had ended that the, the friends that I had, the couple, the husband had expressed his disdain and hatred for white people. I mean, it was, it was a hate that made me feel uncomfortable because for me, I don't believe in that level of hate for anybody. I feel like when you hate uh, a certain group or, or race, you have the ability to hate anybody for anything, including <laughs> your own nationality, you know, because we have them too, <laughs> you know, where, where people will just deny who they are and, you know, hate their heritage, hate their background. Um, do you agree with people who have that, that kind of hate? I mean, it, for me, I feel it doesn't resolve anything um, when people just turn around and say, well, it's the white person's fault. Um, my life is like this because of white people. Is that real? Um, are people just making excuses to not be empowered? Do they not see that they're giving away their power and they're just saying, yep, I'm just going to throw my hands in the air because it's their fault and they have the power. Is that real? Absolutely. Um, what you are with describing is called to capitulate, to cease to resist. So you have had black people who have had a lifetime of oppression um, and who have who faced a lifetime of injustice and continue mm-hmm. to face it. And it those some of those people, some of those persons who have experienced that, have thrown up their hands and given up. And they have mm-hmm. they have ceased to resist because they feel like this is mm-hmm. the world that we're in, and I just need to accept it. I'm fighting against a current. Right. That is not changing. I'm fighting against the mm-hmm. tide that is about to pull me under. So in order to save my sanity, in order to save myself, because I know what's happening to me is a real thing. The rest of the world wants to gaslight me and tell me that it's just me and it's just where I come from and it's just, no, you, you took away resources, affected mm-hmm. my, these people, and I'll re- return it back to what I said earlier, these people are affected by people in power, and these people in power are affecting these oppressed people's participation in reality is them giving up. It's hopefulness, hopefulessness. Mm-hmm. They are hopelessness. Yes, that's, what I, that's the word, hopelessness. <laughs> but so, is it, um, I mean, I guess my thing is, is that how does someone get away from that? Because, you know, Hate really doesn't resolve anything, and it sounds like you're on the path of we really have to come collective together collectively and come to real resolutions that are going to stick because the banter of hate 
is not working anymore. This is the vibe that I'm getting from you. Yes. You know, and one of, you know, the things that oh, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people regarding this subject matter over the past couple of weeks. And one of the things that really stood and still stands out for me in conversation is having a conversation with my submissive who is a Native American trans woman. And mm-hmm. she is in her 60s. And what she said to me, she said to me, you know, mistress, this is my second time going through this. I went to the protest and civil rights movement, and I marched, and I went to the rallies, and, you know, I was arrested by the police. And it's just like to hear it click because there are people that this is their second time in their life where they're fighting for this. So that means the first mm-hmm. time when we did it, it didn't fucking stick. It didn't work. We didn't, we didn't, mm-hmm. we, nothing was accomplished because here we are 40 and 50 years later mm-hmm. demanding the same thing that we were doing then. So if my slave is in her mid to late 60s and she was part of this protest over 40 years ago, what, what progress have we really made? And what, we're having mm-hmm. the same, we're, we're discussing the same mistreatment that we were then that we're discussing now. The same injustices that we were that we were right. fighting against then, where and mm-hmm. people want to say, and you know, I'll I'll say this because we don't unfilter it. People want to say, in the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King, in the spirit of Dr. Let me tell you why Dr. Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King was a smart man. He knew mm-hmm. that inciting any violence would have caused the death and massacre of his people. So he set a tone of nonviolence to counter the violence that was already Mm -hmm. being inflicted publicly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was the sentiment then, but that is not and doesn't have to be the sentiment now. And I'm not saying for people to go out there, and I'm not saying call to arms, and not saying go out there, go outside the police head. I'm not saying go out there and disrupt society, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is is that we can't keep this, the reason why they had that mentality then is because it was necessary to survive that movement. They had to be nonviolent in order to survive that movement. This movement is different because mm-hmm. we have a new generation of allies, one. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. we have we have people walking around with direct contact to the world on a mobile device. That's Mm -hmm. the difference. Those are the things I feel that we really have in our back pocket going for us to keep this going, to keep this propelled, to keep this podium alive is the Mm -hmm. thing. Because now you don't have to wait for the newsman to come or somebody to come with a video recorder Everybody's walking around with one in their hand. And as soon as the bullshit pop off, bloop, they click it on their phone yep. and they're recording. <laughs> and <laughs> it's on video so, forever. And if you have a Twitter account or a TikTok account, I mean, you have all of these different social apps where, you know, once somebody records it and they put it up, it, it can spread like wildfire. Yeah. Literally. Exactly. And, and it's not staying on one platform. It's going viral across multi, multi-platforms. So mm-hmm. this is going to force 
people. See, people have been people have been able to be racist and also implicitly biased, but now because of my ability to record your actions real time and then broadcast mm-hmm. to the rest of the world, it's causing people to now have to be accountable for that implicit bias and for that racism. And the, the accountability is what's going to make people change. See, you've never, white people have never been had to be, white people have never been able, oh, Jesus, that's right. White people have never been required to be accountable for racism. But mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. because of the the contact that we have with each other with social media, you now have to be accountable for your actions, especially when yes. they are negative, especially when they're prejudiced, mm-hmm. especially when they're biased, especially mm-hmm. when they are racist. So, mm-hmm. yes, social media, media devices, that's all forcing the world to be accountable. And then now also we live in a society where we're in a stage in society where we're calling people out for what they've done wrong. That's also helping because now mm-hmm. you're, you're just because you don't want to be accountable. Guess what? Everybody's going to make you be accountable for it because they're not going to let you let it go. They're not going to let it go until you become accountable for it. Right. Until you admit that you're wrong. Um, exactly. And just, and just be done with it. Um, and I think this is the reason why I have been ever so cautious in what I share in, in social media, not just about, you know, hate or anything like that, but just the example that I gave at the top of the show that you have people in in this entertainment industry that, you know, it's not really all there or of sound mind or feel like, well, you're an adult, I'm an adult, and it's cool. You know what I mean? And some things are, are not cool um, mm-hmm. to do. I, I mean, one of the one of the examples, and, and that's what I meant to say earlier, one of the examples that sometimes I think that people don't understand the outrageousness. And I would come in and say, I was talking to a friend earlier. I said, that's like me. If the, the reason why I said I don't lower my standards on interviews or who I want to interview just so that, you know, my platform gets recognition, how would I look if Ted Bundy was still alive and I put out, hey, everyone, it's Maribel Blue. I just did a, a wonderful and positive interview with Ted Bundy. What are you going to think? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, uh-huh. my friend and I, we were laughing earlier. She'd be like, you know what, Maribel, pack up your bags, close down your social media, <laughs> go get a normal <laughs> job, because that's it. It's over and done with. And, you know, you think about in that aspect, there's nothing wrong with interviewing a person who's controversial, so to speak. However, uh-huh. if the person has consistently done things that have, um, like Harvey Weinstein, for example. Why Uh would I interview Harvey Weinstein? Why would I say I've had this wonderful, positive interview with Harvey Weinstein? People would be like, you know what, fuck you. Look at the things that this man did. I am disrespecting women across the board who have had 
issues with him. Therefore, I'm making a choice to say, I'm not interested in interviewing that. I don't care how famous it would make me. And I think in all of this, we have to pick and choose our battles, but not only pick and choose our battles, but be smart and education, educational about it. You know, like know, know your history, know, know what it is that you're fighting for. So when somebody comes out of the side of their faith, you can come back and like whip them with a book, you know, whip them with knowledge, whip them with history so Uh that they know they're not messing around with somebody thinking, oh, well, because they're this, they're dumb. And that's something to me that we have to put an end to. You can't just say uh, a person who's this color has this level of education, so they're not going to know any better. I think we're too smart for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were drinking drinking your tea over there like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was nodding my head, too. <laughs> well, you know, I I think I think it's true and I think that, you know, it's sad that it has to be a battle, but if it can be a battle of advocacy where we can all work together and be smart about what it is that we're doing. You know, I'm going to stand behind you. I agree with everything that you said today. Um I think that it's just fantastic, you know. You just never know. You come into this industry for one thing, and then it turns around, and you find yourself advocating and and doing work and educating. And I think that's great. I think it's wonderful because, you know, if you're not expanding and you're not growing, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just waste the space. Here to to soothe anybody, and yeah, that's, that's that. Right. 
So this is the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. And again, if you want to connect with Mr. Spick, you have all of her information here on the Blog Talk Radio site as well. It will be on Anchor. And this is Maribel Blues signing off. Of course, we'll be back again next week with a new topic. And I'll think of something, of course, as we go along. And, and that's it. As always, remember, be good to each other. Be good to yourself. And most importantly, take care of you. Good night, everybody.